Hey folks, before we get started, I wanted to tell you about the Consumer VC Summit. The Consumer VC Summit is a three-day virtual event that is focused on e-commerce, retail, and innovation. This is all happening February 23rd through 25th, 2021. Mark Nathan and I have really poured our souls into it. During the day is a mix of talks and panel discussions with some incredible founders and investors that focus on these sectors. In the evenings, we're going to be throwing networking events, and if you're a founder, you'll also have access to mentoring sessions, which means you'll meet three investors or industry professionals for feedback about your business. All of our talks and panels will also be available for replay with a ticket. Please check out summit.theconsumervc.com and enter ConsumerVC for a 20% discount. This is also located in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. Now on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and consumer-facing startups. Over the holidays, we're going to be releasing highlights from past episodes from this year every morning of Hanukkah and each day during the 12 days of Christmas. If you're a founder or investor and looking to meet more folks in the ecosystem, each week I host a networking event on my Upstream channel. The link is in the show notes to join on mobile. Looking forward to seeing you there. I'm excited to share highlights from my episode with Jessica Rolf and Rod Morris, the co-founders of Love Every. Sage based play essentials designed by experts built for babies and toddlers up to age three. Without further ado, here they are. Talk to me about the early company formations and when did you bring in Rod as a co-founder and and, and, and how did that partnership come about? Yeah, well, I will say that Love Every was just a dream and an idea until Rod said that he would be up for being my co-founder in this business. So we were actually talking about trying to move our families closer together. So Rod's wife is my best friend from growing up and we were on the phone and Rod has always been a mentor to me in business and in a lot of things in, in life. And so I found myself asking him, I was like, I know I've got this business idea. I've been thinking about it. You know, it really was, um, you know, just an idea. And I shared it with him because I've always appreciated his feedback. And Rod really tuned in and he really got the vision for what I was thinking about creating and really built upon it and said, you know, I think there is something here. And I remember he sent an email to me following up, Hey, what if we partnered together? Um, let's like, you know, split the company 50, 50 and, um, we'll, we'll co-found the company and, and all, um, we can, we can create love every together. So that was really, I think the beginning of, of you know, imagining love every. That's amazing how how you two came together. This is my first time interviewing uh, two co-founders instead of, you know, one co-founder CEO. And, you know, for folks that are looking to co-found a company with someone else or, you know, already had co-founded, co-founded a company, you know, talk to me a little bit about the dynamic between you both and, you know, what's the decision-making and delegation process in your business activities? Sure. I, I think before you even get into any kind of delegation of responsibilities, it's it's always important to understand that with co-founders, you're, you're kind of involved in everything together uh, from the beginning. Uh, you, you've both got something to contribute. And I think the thing that's important for both that part and for the delegation part is that there's a high degree of trust. Uh, so if anybody's thinking about who to 
found a company with, it's really important that you trust each other. And I think a big part of that is being totally aligned and sharing the same vision for what you want to create, how you want to be of service to people with what you're creating. And Jessica and I have that because, uh, you know, we both really care about helping parents and, and care about early childhood. We also have it because we've known each other for a long time. Uh, from a purely delegation of responsibility standpoint, uh, Jessica spends a lot of her time deep in product and in creating original content and thinking about customer experience and operations. Uh, I spend a lot of my time focused on revenue growth, marketing, digital products, and the financials behind the business. Uh, but again, we're, we're both together on a lot of all of those topics all the time. Yeah. So I think oftentimes with co-founders, I think that you like, like to, you know, people like to kind of put us in a box. So they like to think of Rod as a certain type of person, like a very savvy, super smart, you know, team, like scaling, uh, team builders, you know, company scaling kind of, um, operating financially super savvy person, business person. And they like, and they like to sort of put me in a, of like more of a, Oh, creative product person, you know, sort of ideas person. And, not as operational. And rather, it's so interesting because, you know, I actually, my background at Happy Film was very operational and that Rod is actually incredibly visionary and creative and he's an incredible writer. And so it's interesting to think about kind of how these two skills, you know, I think that we've really crossed over a lot in terms of, you know, Rod writing headlines for our emails, um, and you know, Rod offering insights on patterns and um, visuals that we're that we're doing for like our prints on our products. Um, me providing providing insight insight on you know kind of like customer dynamics, or we look through a financial model together. We both have insights into kind of the trajectory of the company. So, you know, I I just want to kind of say that we're you know, we're really, a, it's like a really deep, true partnership in the sense that we're bringing both bringing our full selves to the equation. And there's so much that we do together. I think that's a really good point. Because, you know, I think the kind of cliche in some ways say about if you should bring on a co-founder is if they have complementary skills. But I think that that what you're saying, which I think is really important is at the same time, don't be thrown, throw yourself just into a, into a bucket and be, and be, you know, not siloed, but, you know, only responsible for these couple things. I know, I know that you, you obviously come from um, an extensive, you know, consumer products background, but how did you, how did you also approach the uh, supply chain at the beginning? That was really hard. I would say that that was one of our hardest early hurdles was figuring out how to make our product with integrity. So 90% of the toys are made in um, in China. And so we really, we want, we felt like we wanted to go understand what that was about. We looked at us manufacturing. We looked at China manufacturing. Um, we looked at some other countries and we went on a trip, um, and we saw a lot of different facilities. We finally found, and I think that this was one of the biggest kind of strokes of luck that we had early on, a company called Hape, which is uh, led by an incredibly high integrity founder and this, with this high integrity team that's really focused on sustainability. It's the number one producer of sustainably harvested wood toys in the world. And um, and so we found them and they were able to deal with our entrepreneurial dreams and our complexity, knew the safety regulations and understood, you know, kind of the ins and outs of making um, high quality products for, for children um, because they have, they have a very kind of well-respected brand. And so we feel like that was one of our big 
early wins. It felt like a very hard thing to do is figure out where we were going to make this product at cost uh, to, to be able to make it work from a financial perspective, you know, from a market product market fit perspective, and then also um, have something that aligns with our values. So we are really grateful for our partnership. Yeah. I think one other thing I'd, I'd add to that is um, it's not always obvious to people from the outside, but everything we were doing was to advance toward this goal of building a stage-based learning program using subscription. We just knew that we couldn't get all of those products out immediately. And even if we could, it would be highly risky because we didn't know how people were gonna respond to the brand. We didn't know how they were gonna respond to the content that we were including. Every, every little thought that we, we were putting into our products, we, we hoped, uh, we expected that it would do well, but we didn't know. And so when we picked our manufacturing partner, we needed somebody who was gonna be working in parallel with us on lots of other SKUs that we were gonna be rolling out very quickly if we were successful with the PlayGem uh, so that we could start rolling out subscription. And uh, Peter and Hoppe uh, were, were fantastic for that because they had the kind of breadth and capabilities uh, and also, like Jessica said, enthusiasm for what we wanted to do. Uh, they were a great partner for not only getting the PlayGem out, but also being with us for the long term. Uh, some of the ways you're able to establish, you know, community, both your, your brand and products. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just nothing more relatable than really being a part of a parent community of pe you know people who are going through the same stage of life that you are with your child. And so I think that it's a really natural place for us to be. We feel like for us defining community is really being in communication and taking feedback from our customers, implementing that feedback, and then asking again, is this is this right? Are we meeting your needs? And I think it's like a real deep kind of service mentality that we have around how can we help parents through every stage. And then we're also not kind of like communicating from up high. We're communicating as a peer who's doing a lot of, who is doing a lot of research and who has a lot of resources to help. And we're trying to sort of be that trusted friend who's done all the work, done all the research, you know, and then have, let's have a conversation about what that means for you and your baby or you and your child. And so I think that we're seeing that on social where we'll post something on social around toddler fears and how, you know, just like really um, being respectful of your toddler's fears, fears is important. This is just like a post from the other day and, and just seeing all the, all the comments and all of the, the, the community is supporting each other now, you know, it's, it's so I think it's, it's a very, um, it's a very rich environment to to really have meaningful, like a, like a meaningful community built. And I feel like we're just getting started in this part of our business. Just seeing the reaction from from customers and, and and from from folks and that are you know going through this that are you know are are newly parents or 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 have a very very young child and seeing that community being built. As you both know, this is a venture capital podcast, so I do want to talk as well about um, the fundraise. And uh, I wanted to first ask, um, why why were you thinking and why did you choose to raise money in, in, instead of bootstrapping? Yeah, so um, I would say that, you know, we, I think like every entrepreneur, you know, like all entrepreneurs, I think Rod and I really felt like we were onto something really big and we felt like we could see this white space and this need from parents and around um, a desire to lean into early childhood development in a meaningful way. And we just could see our, our vision. And so we, we 
wanted to make sure that we had enough capital to get enough critical mass so that we could really, um, you know, kind of like delight in owning that space and define the space and really um, become kind of what the full expression of what Love Every is to be in the world, which, you know, we want to be a support system for parents and we want to do it eventually globally. And like, there's so much, so many dreams that we have and we bootstrapping it would, it usually takes longer. And so getting market share and getting um, that critical, getting to that critical mass, you do open yourself up to competitors. And we just, we really wanted to try and um, own the market as quickly as we can. So that's been our objective and our capital raise. That, that makes a lot of sense. What was your fundraising strategy initially? So our fundraising strategy generally has been all about relationships. Uh, and I think it was that that has taken a you know, different shape with each uh, each success, successive uh, fundraise that we've done. Uh, the first the first raise was you know, to find a, a convertible note. And it was almost entirely through our our personal networks. Uh, so Jessica and I basically built a pipeline of all the people we knew who we thought uh, would be interested either because they were active angels or uh, had invested uh, with, with Jessica's you know, venture before with Happy Family uh, or, or because we, we knew they would be passionate about the idea. And um, in some ways, as we've gone to bigger raises, um, and gotten a little bit more institutional in our capital structure, uh, it really hasn't changed that much because uh, we still think of these as relationships that we're building. And we're still looking for uh, folks who are aligned with our values, folks who are passionate about what we're passionate about, who just like, who get it. And, um, and so in some ways it hasn't changed that much, but we were very, very angel oriented early on. And, uh, you know, we didn't really have uh, any institutionals um, for the most part, uh, maybe one or two in, in the seed round. And then our Series A was still majority angels. And Jessica and I actually priced that round ourselves. Uh, and then the B was led by Maveron, uh, had Google Ventures, Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, Collaborative Fund, others, and uh, Reach Capital. Uh, and uh, and that, was, that was predominantly institutional. But, um, but again, uh, the, the people who are participating in that, uh, it was all relationships that we've been building over time and, and which we thought were well aligned with what we were trying to do. What were some of your biggest hurdles um, when fundraising? I mean, I would say that uh, if, if somebody kind of could transcend thinking about us as a toy company, I think we, we had a shot at having, you know, being able to have a great kind of conversation. I think that, you know, I think being able to transcend like the niche, the reputation of just like, okay, this is like kind of a niche space. Um, you're working in a sort of like an older industry, the multiples aren't good. Um, you're really making like some great toys. I think if, if people saw us as that, um, it, it didn't go very far. So I think that was one of our biggest hurdles. Wanted to know how COVID might have changed your operating plans and did you have to pivot any part of your business as a result? So uh, I think uh, like lots of businesses, uh, in terms of our, our team, uh, everybody's working from home and, and spending a lot of time on, on Zoom. Uh, in terms of the business, we've been fortunate that our supply chain has been stable and actually we've had 
opportunity to move up purchase orders because others uh, haven't had the same demand that we've had. Uh, what's been the really surprising in a positive way thing for us uh, is that uh, like some other consumer businesses out there who are direct to consumer, uh, we've experienced uh, the benefits of less ad, less ad inventory being, being competed for uh, by others and, and just lower, lower paid CACs. Uh, and then more people at home spending time thinking about uh, you know, what to do with their children um, and, and you know, paying attention to our ads uh, and, and also paying attention to articles about us, our content and everything else. Um, and we, we did put out a lot of great new blog content focused on what parents can do at home during this time. The, the net result is uh, we're seeing our numbers way up. So um, we're, we're looking at uh, revised projections that are more than 40% over what we had originally budgeted at the beginning of the year. And uh, we're gonna have more than twice as much cash uh, as we expected to have in the bank at the end of the year. So it's, it's great from a revenue perspective, it's great from a you know kind of uh, financial sustainability perspective as well, uh, and it, it just it's exciting to see this growth compared to what we, we thought was a fantastic growth year last year. Um, so, from a business perspective, uh, it's it's been good for us, and we're obviously very grateful because we know it hasn't been for everybody. What's one piece of advice that you might have for folks that are fundraising or starting a or thinking about starting a B two C company? I think uh, I'd go back to what I shared about fundraising before, which is that it's a relationship business. And I'd, I'd, I'd home in on that and just say, uh, you don't know which relationships are going to end up being the most fruitful for your business from a fundraising point of view. You don't know who's going to ultimately attach to your idea and want to help fund it. Uh, so every relationship matters and uh, you need to treat them all with respect. And you also need to not count on some small number of relationships being what gets you where you need to go from a fundraising perspective. So you need to actively cultivate uh, a lot of relationships and just treat that as part of the job. But it, it can be a fun part of the job because you're, you're meeting great people and building relationships. Yeah. And I guess my advice would be to, um, twofold. One is, is ha have a great co-founder. I think that businesses are just so much more powerful when you have somebody that you can really be in there in the trenches with. And I'm just so grateful to Rod for, um, I love, I love work. I love working with Aww. you. Um, and I will <laughs> say second is, uh, is to really think about like, kind of like before you start a company, whether you consider yourself an emotional person or a person who has highs and lows or not, I think it it's really when you put your, you know, dream out there and you have this vision and you're trying to make it a reality, but it's not real in the world yet, it can be really hard. And you can have one conversation with somebody that feels that helps you, you know, kind of feel optimistic and excited about your idea. And then the next day you have you know, a conversation with someone else and it just, it, you all of a sudden are really deflated. And I think that really like being like kind of more deeply aware of that inner roller coaster that you're going through and putting it in its place, kind of setting it aside and saying, instead of riding that and being only productive when I'm feeling good and not being productive when I'm not feeling good, 
kind of put that aside and say, I am committed to going after this dream. And so I'm going to really just focus on putting one foot in front of the other. What's the next thing I can do? What's my roadmap? What are my action steps? And really staying in the kind of um, operational mode as opposed to the emotional mode, especially when it's vulnerable, especially when you're fundraising, especially when it's early. I, first of all, I, I love all those points. I think that's all, you know, I think to Jessica's point, I think it's really important to really know yourself and, and know your personality. Well, thank you both so much for coming onto the show. It was such a pleasure having you, Jessica and Rod. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. And there you have it. If you enjoyed this, I highly recommend checking out Jessica and Rod's full episode.